0: This morning, I invite you to turn to me into our opening text this morning in Romans chapter 2, verse 23. Romans chapter 2, verse 23. This morning, the sermon is entitled, Obedience, from the heart obedience from the heart this morning has God been good to you this week? he's been good to you let me hear you say amen amen Amen. I didn't see everyone's mouth is God good to you? if you believe that let me hear you say amen amen that's good let me just share in the back of your program here your bulletin if you look in the back there on the last page there's a quote up there Uh, from the Spirit of Prophecy, and there's a a box there, you see it, it's in a box in the back of your bulletin, and I'm going to read this to you, it says, the message of Christ's righteousness is to sound from one end of the earth to the other, to prepare the way of the Lord, what message, the message of what? Christ's righteousness, what we're studying, righteousness by faith. Then it says here, this is the glory of God. What is the glory of God? Christ is what? Righteousness, what we're studying in Romans chapter 2. We study about that. Which closes the work of the what? Third angel. You ever heard of the three angels' message? Well, the closing of the third angel's message is the message of Christ's righteousness, the righteousness by faith. What this Romans is talking about here. Then notice what it says: the last message. What message? The what? Last message of mercy to be given to the world is a revelation of His character of what? Love. Make no mistake, we're studying the third angel's message this morning. If you believe that, let me hear you say amen. amen. We're studying Christ's righteousness. We're studying the last message of mercy. We're studying the closing work of the third angel. We're studying the last revelation of his character of love within the study of Romans this morning. And so we continue our studies in Romans chapter 2, verse 23. is our opening text this morning. obedience from the heart our religious practices why do we do them what is our true motivation when we do them is it to have maybe a good reputation maybe to shun the punishment of society or of the police maybe maybe not getting a ticket out there maybe is it, is it to gain, gain the approval of maybe our, our fellow church members that we come to church with? What is, what is our motivation for doing good? You see, so beloved, the only motivation, motivation for doing good this morning this is this be- not because of the laws of the land, however good that they may be. It's not because we want to receive a good reputation, though that is honorable. It is not even to receive the praises from our fellow church members here this morning, even though that is praiseworthy. You see, beloved, the only reason that we should do what is right is because we love God and we want to receive the praise and approval from Him and from Him alone this morning. Believe what I'm saying. Let me say amen. So this morning, as the message of righteousness by faith is unleashed in our hearts this morning, may it have its perfect work within us. Let us pray. Father, we carry the weight of this world. You can truly carry our hearts this morning. And so carry our hearts. Humble your messenger. May it become clear to your people, your message. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We humbly ask. Amen. What were the professed Christians in Rome doing? Verse 23, the Bible says, Thou that makest your boast of the law, through breaking the law, you're dishonoring God. The Bible says here this morning that the Christians in Rome boasted of their, of their obedience to the law of God, but really they were breaking the law of God and the dishonoring God. Now, how is this so? We learned in the last sermon that if you can keep the outward law, right, the keep to the standards outwardly, but if you do not keep the spirituality of the law we learned about, right, you're really breaking the law of God. So the people in Rome were thinking they were being obedient to the law of God and they're boasting of the obedience to all of God's Ten Commandments, but in reality... Because they're breaking the spirituality of the law, they're breaking God's law, and they're dishonoring God's name and blaspheming His name. Now, what were the results of this? Look at verse 24. The Bible says, For the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. So, because the Bible is saying that these professed Christians, they use God's name, but in the meantime, they were blaspheming God's name. Now I don't know about you, but there have been times where I have felt ashamed to be a Christian—not ashamed of Christ, but ashamed of being associated with people who say they're Christians but they're being very selfish and arrogant in the deeds that they've done. Ever happened to you? You know, when I first came here to Honoka Church, and I a few years later I moved down here and I was looking for a place. Um, to rent, and I was actually found a place to rent. And I went to this landlord. I'm not renting from there, but um, it didn't work out. But I was talking to this landlord, and finally she asked me, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a minister. And she asked me, well, what church do you minister? And I said, it's Seventh-day Adventist Church. And the moment I said Seventh-day Adventist Church, she went, she went off on me and, and started yelling at, at me about one of the, the church members from this church, church before all I got, got here. here. And she was saying that this, this member used to go to his house and preach to him about the Antichrist. And while he was doing it at his house, he was drunk. The next day I saw her and she came up to me. She was actually apologizing to me. She was so sorry for how she had mistreated me, an innocent bystander, in a crossfire of somebody who was doing something that was not Christian. Someone who was, what what Paul was saying here was professing the name of Christ, beloved. Professing the name of Christ, but by their actions and what they did, they were really dishonoring Christ. Have you ever, is my question again, known someone who has been someone who has dishonored God? But before we point the finger, there's some questions I'd like to ask ourselves. And the questions are these. Who is there among us can truly say that we ourselves have not broken the law and thus dishonored God? Who is there among us, including myself this morning, can truly say that we as a Christian have truly always represented Jesus Christ here this morning? Who is there among us can truly say that we have not disgraced God in either our words or in our actions? Who is there among us can truly say that we have not distorted the true picture of the character of God here this morning? So the Bible says, through... God's people, the name of God is blasphemed among the unbelievers. But there's hope in Jesus Christ this morning. Amen? And the hope is found in the next verses, verse 25. What happens to one's circumcision when one keeps or breaks the spiritual law? 25. Now, the Bible put that word circumcision for a reason. Now, circumcision is a cutting away of the flesh of the male sexual organs, and it's only upon men. Now, there's a reason for that. We're going to study that later on. But I just want you to understand the general principle when it talks about circumcision. Okay, verse 25. The Bible says, For circumcision barely profits if you keep the law. But if you be a breaker of the law, your circumcision is made uncircumcision. We're going to come back to this text. We're going to really understand what it's trying to say here. But look at your papers here, and I have it down in Galatians chapter two, verse seven to nine. Let's find out what is what does um, circumcision referring to when it says circumcision and uncircumcision, or circumcised and uncircumcised. What is the Bible talking about? Let's look at Galatians. Paul is talking here, and he says, "But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me," so Paul says, "I was, go- I was supposed to preach to the uncircumcised." And the gospel of the circumcision was unto who? Peter. So Paul said, I'm going to go to the uncircumcised. Peter was supposed to go to the circumcised. And then it says here, For he, God, that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the what? Gentiles. So Paul said, I go to the uncircumcised. I also am going to the Gentile. It's the exact same thing. And when James, Cephas, and John, the same to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the what? Heathen, the Gentiles, the uncircumcised, and they unto the circumcision, the Jews, the believers, the Christian. So if you look at your diagram here, I kind of make it simple. Circumcision is referring to the Jews, the believers, or as we studied before, the Jews or the Christians of today. Uncircumcision uncircumcised people refer to the Gentiles and the heathens or the unbelievers, even of today. So now we know what circumcision and uncircumcision means. We can go back to our text. Let's see what Romans chapter 2, verse 25 It's saying here. It's saying that if you profess to be a Christian, first of all, and you keep the spirituality of the law, then you are a true Christian. But if you say that you're a Christian and you break the spirituality of the law, then you're not a true Christian, but you're an unbeliever. Look at the the diagram again. It says, Christian, if you you profess I'm a Christian, we're all here today, we profess and we keep the true spirituality of the law, not just the letter of the law, but the spirituality of the law, then we are considered by God to be Christians. Well, The Bible says here in this verse that if we profess to be Christians, but we're breaking the spirituality of the law, then we're really an unbeliever. Are you following me, beloved? Does that make sense? So really what matters is, are we keeping the spirituality of the law? Is what Paul is saying here. Okay, look at verse 26 as we break it down. It says here, what happens to unbelievers who keep the righteousness of the law? So we look at Christians who keep the law and Christians who don't keep the law. That's two things. And then it goes on in 26. It says here, therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? Now we learn the definition of the two words, right? In other words, if the uncircumcision or the unbelievers, if they keep the righteousness of the law or the spirituality of the law, shall not his uncircumcision or his being an unbeliever doesn't count. It counts for being a Christian, and that's why we look at this diagram here on your green papers. It says here, if you are an unbeliever now. You don't believe in God, according to the Bible, but you keep the spirituality of the law, the righteousness of the law, the truth on the inside, not the letter of the law, but the inside, the spirituality of the law, the Bible says you're counted as a Christian this morning, amen? Are you following? We study about Romans chapter 1. There are people out there, right, who are non-believers, but they're going to be saved by what nature preaches, the glory, the character of God. So unbelievers, beloved, this morning, who keep the spirituality of the law, or God considers them to be Christian, right? They're being obedient. And of course, the unbelievers who break the spiritual law, they're still unbelievers. Now I want you to notice the contrast. There are Christians who break the spirituality of the law, and God considers them to be unbelievers. And then there are people who are unbelievers, heathens, gentiles, who keep the spirituality of the law, and God considers them to be Christian, though they don't consider themselves to be a Christian, beloved, this morning. Are you following me? God holds his people highly accountable for the light that has been given to them as a people. If we and myself, I'm talking to myself this morning, if I myself do not live up to the light that God has given to me, I'm held responsible for what I know to live up to. God will hold me accountable for it this morning. Let's go on our study, our Bible study, verse 27, Romans chapter 2, Verse 27. Now, what do obedient unbelievers do to the disobedient professed Christians? Romans 2, verse 27. The Bible says, and shall not uncircumcision, which we learn is unbelievers, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, so if the heathen or the unbelievers fulfill the spirituality of the law, they judge you, Christians, who by letter, or the, by following the letter of the law and circumcision, or re- following religious practices, we break the, does transgress the law, break the law. So the is saying, doesn't the unbelievers who fulfill the true spirituality of the law, don't they judge you, Christians, who profess to be Christians, but who are depending upon following the outside letter of the law and practicing religious practices of breaking the law. Not depending upon the spirituality law, but the outward acts of living to a certain standard. Remember we talk about the to-do list? Depending upon the outward acts, do not these unbelievers out there who are obedient to God's spirituality of the law judge us Christians this morning is my question. According to the Bible this morning, God's word is true. It judges us this morning. God does not call us into a church to hear things and just to be hearers only. God wants the perfect truth of his word to transform and to change our lives, that there will be a difference between us and those who do not believe. But the Bible says we are judged this morning. Now, my question is Do you break the spirituality of the law by performing the letter of the law, thus depending upon your religious practices for your salvation? You see, beloved, there are many professed Christians today that believe that the performance of certain religious practices would make them members of the body of Christ. But there is no religious practice that you can do this morning that will make you a Christian this morning. If you stop drinking, that will not make you a Christian. If you stop swearing, that will not make you a Christian Christian this morning. If you go to church every single week, that will not make you a Christian. If you return the tithes and offerings that would not make you a Christian. If you even become a vegetarian, a vegan vegetarian this morning, that would not make you a Christian this morning. And you believe what I'm saying? Let me hear you say amen. Now, I do, I do these things. But it's not the doing of these things that makes me a Christian. There's only one thing that makes me a Christian, and that is because I have submitted my will to Jesus Christ this morning. Amen? And, beloved, there's only one thing that's going to make us a Christian. And that is if you have surrendered your all to Jesus Christ, you surrendered your will to God, that makes you a Christian this morning. Let's look. continue our Bible study. Romans chapter 2, verse 28. See what the Bible says here. What was the mistake of the Jews? Notice what it says here. The Bible says, now Jew refers to Christian as we studied about earlier. For he is not a Jew, Christian, which is one, what is that word? Outwardly. Neither is that circumcision or religious practices, which is outward in the flesh. So the actual, the actual circumcision that we talked about, the males have, the outward circumcision, is not the, the true circumcision is not the one that's outward in the flesh. That's what Paul is saying here. Verse 29, the beginning part, it says, but he is a Jew, a Christian, which is one? What is that word? Inwardly, on the inside. In other words, the Bible is saying that a person is not a Christian just because they look like one on the outside. And neither is a person considered to be circumcised who is circumcised on the outside in the flesh. But instead, a person is a Christian who is a Christian. On the inside of the heart. Amen? A person is a true Christian who is one on the inside, beloved. I'm going to study that. Why is that so? As we continue our study in verse 29. Now, where does true circumcision take place? The cutting away of the flesh. When a baby is born, they cut the flesh of the, of the male when they're born. They cut the flesh off. But where does true circumcision happen according to the Bible? Romans chapter 2, verse 29. The Bible says. But he, he is a Jew, Jew which, which is, is one inwardly. inwardly. And circumcision, circumcision is that of the, the what? One? Heart. heart. In the, in the spirit, spirit not, not in the letter. letter. So, so, where does circumcision, circumcision happen, happen beloved? In the heart. In other words, a real Christian is one who has been circumcised in the heart. They have been circumcised by the spirit and not by the letter of the law as we studied about. They have experienced a change in the inner life of their heart, not merely a change in their outer life. In other words, the change in the outer life is only a reaction to the change that has already taken place in the inner life of love. Amen? And if you never had an authentic change on the inside of your heart, you had never had an authentic change on the outside of your life. Amen? And beloved, if you have changed on the outside, but your heart is still the same on the inside, then beloved, you have not experienced the new birth conversion, and thus you are not a Christian according to the Bible this morning. Amen? Cannot be. If you have just changed your outside life and stopped doing this and stopped doing that and doing certain standards and living to the letter of the law, as Paul is talking about here. If you're just doing it on the outside and you're changing your diet and you stop drinking, you stop swearing and all that, though how good they may be, if you have not experienced a circumcision on the heart, on the inside of your life, and experienced the miraculous power of God in your life, You are not a Christian according to the Bible, beloved. Now, this was not a new teaching of Paul, but it was just a restating of what had always been but had become perverted by the nation of the Jews. Now, look at your papers here. Back in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, the Bible says here, And the Lord your God were circumcised Thine, what? Heart. Even in the Old Testament, they should have known. The Bible says, God will circumcise your heart. And then it says here, no, and because God circumcised the heart, the heart of your seed, what would happen? The Bible says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Circum, true circumcision, Paul says, is not on the outside. True circumcision is on the inside. That is why Stephen preached the message here. And he preached in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Notice what his message was. He preached to the Jews and he said this message You stiff necked and uncircumcised, where? On the outside? In heart and ears you do Do always resist resist the Holy Ghost Ghost, as your your fathers did, so do you. In other words, he he preached a message that that you're uncircumcised in heart, you're unconverted, you're not truly Christians. And it's because of this statement that it enraged the Jews so much that they took him and they murdered him by stoning him. Beloved, it's the same message that enrages some Seventh-day Adventist Christians sometimes Because they've been depending upon the things that they do for their salvation rather than the change within their heart. Now, what motivates a true Christian? Christian? Romans chapter 2, verse 29. Notice what the Bible says. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter. And then it says here, whose praise is not of men, but of God. The Bible says that true Christians are motivated this morning, beloved, by the praise of God, not by the praise of people this morning. Amen? Amen. According to this Bible text, the main reason why people live godly lives is because they want to be approved and accepted by other people. But beloved, true Christians are not worried about receiving the love or approval from others. For why would they need the love and approval of others when they've already received the love and approval from God this morning? Amen? There's a story of a small wooden people called WeMix, the simile, and each of these people were carved by a woodworker named Eli, whose work, word, workshop sat on the hill overlooking the village of the, the WeMix that he created. Now, every WeMix was different. Some had big noses and others had large eyes. Others were tall and others were short. Some wore hats and some others wore coats. And all day and every day, the WeMix did the same thing every single day. And what they did was, they gave each other stickers every single day. Each WeMix had a a box of golden stars and gray dot stickers. Now the golden stars was that whenever another WeMix did good, they would give them a golden star and stick it on top of them. And Every time a WeMix did bad, they put a, a, a gray dot and put it upon them. So gold star was good, gray dot was bad, and they stick it upon each other. The talented ones got the stars. Some could lift high sticks upon, above their heads, some could jump over tall boxes, others could sing pretty songs, every one of them got stars. Some remix had stars all over them. And every time they got a star, it made them feel good that they wanted to do something else so that they could get another star on top of them, now others could do very little, other little we mixed. all they got was little round gray dots because all they could do was mess up and there was, a man, there was a little man named Punchinello, he was one of them, he tried to jump like others but every time he tried to jump he fell and therefore he would get these gray dots on him, stickers on top of him. And every time he fell and he, he fell down, he would score up his wooden leg, and therefore he'd get another dot upon him. And then he'd try and explain himself why he fell down, and he would stumble upon his words, and they give him another dot. He had so much dots that after a while, everyone would see so much dots upon him that they would run up to him and put a great dot on him, just for no reason. That's what his life was. After a while, he became so discouraged, he stayed indoors. In fact, a few times he went outside, he would only hang around other (laughs) Weemicks who had a lot of gray dots, so he wouldn't feel so bad. It would make him feel better. One day, he met a Weemick unlike any other Weemick. Her name was (laughs) Lulia. She had no dots and she had no stars. She was unlike any other. She was, she was just, just wooden. wooden. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her any stickers, any stars or dots. It's just that when someone saw that she didn't have any dots, they want to give her a golden star. So they run up to her and they give her a golden star and put it on her, but that golden star would fall off. Then other people realize that she doesn't have any golden stars, so they run up to her and give her a, a gray dot sticker for not having any gold stars. but that sticker also would fall off and wouldn't stick. He asked her one day, how is it that you don't have any stickers? It's easy, she replied. Every day I go to see Eli, the woodmaker, the wood carver. Eli? Yes, every day I go to him and I sit with him in a wood shop. Why? And then Lulia said, why don't you go and find it for yourself? And then with that, she skipped and went away. But he won't want to see me, he thought to himself. That, that night, he watched through the windows. He, he watched was, the windmicks running around, scurrying around, giving stickers to one another, stars and dots to one another. And he finally decided that he would go and see Eli. So the next day, he wa- walked his way up that long path to the top of the hill where he knew The Eli, the woodcarver, the woodmaster was up there. And he walked up to the top of the hill. And there he stood at the doorway, peering inside the wood shop. Not seeing anyone and being afraid, he finally decided to turn away and to walk away. But as soon as he turned around to walk away, he heard his name. Punchinello? The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello? Stop. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come in. Let me have a good look at you. He looked around him at Punchinello and he saw Punchinello had all these gray dots all over and says, I see that it, uh, life hasn't been good to you. Punchinello said, but I tried to do good. I, I, really I really tried. I really tried my best. I didn't mean to, Eli. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other we mix think. You don't? No, I should, no, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're remakes just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think. And I think you're very special to me. Me, special to you? Why I can't jump? I can't walk fast. My pain is peeling. Why do it matter? Because I created you with my own hands and you're mine. Punchinello never had anyone talk to him like this before. Must less his maker. Every day I was hoping that you would come. I came because I met someone who didn't have any marks. Why didn't he ask he asked his maker, why didn't the stickers stick upon him, her? Because she had decided what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers will only stick, he said, if you will let them. The stickers will only stick if you let them. The stickers only stick if it matters to you. That's the only reason why. The more you trust my love and seek my praise, the less you will care about receiving the stickers of praise or contempt from other remakes. I'm not sure I truly understand, he said. You will, but it will take time. You got a lot, lot of marks, but every single day, in your devotional time, why don't you come to me where I can tell you about how much I care about you. And as Pontanello was leaving that wood, wood shop, and as he walked, he believed the words of his maker that said he cared about him. And as he, that thought entered into his mind, a dot fell off from him. Beloved, today more than ever before, we live in a world today that seeks the praise of people rather than the praise of God. In other words, we try to live our lives according to the approval or disapproval of others this morning, and our thoughts and our feelings are either elated or depressed, depending on how we have been treated for that day. If someone treats us badly, we're going to feel bad that day. If someone treats us good, we're going to feel good for that day. But beloved, as a people of God, we should be dependent upon what God thinks of us this morning, rather than what people think of us here this morning, amen? Amen. We shouldn't be concerned about the stars or dots that people try to give to us, and neither should we waste our time trying to give our stars or dots either. But even though we may judge others by our standards, and others judge us by their standards, at the end of the day, we are still fellow Wemex this morning. That is why we need to go to our maker every single day so we can learn how much he really loves us here this morning. And as we go and sit at His feet, sit at the feet of our maker this morning, and every single day of our life, we will learn more and more how much God really loves us. And when we learn that we are special to him because he created us, and he did all the things for us, when we learn how much he cares for us, we will not be concerned about what other people think about us. So this morning, why don't you come to your maker? Why don't you come become secure in his love? Why don't you come and learn more about how much he cares about you? Why don't you come to him so all that your dots and your stars will fall off this morning? This morning I feel like Jesus will come into your heart this morning to come as you are to come to your maker. To hear the words of how much He approves of you, because He created you. To hear that He loved you while you are yet a sinner, He died for you, that He loves you. No matter what you've done or what you're doing, He still loves you. And that nothing can separate you from the love of God here this morning in this world. You want Him to circumcise your heart on the inside, to give you a change from within, a transformation. For His love is the motivation for the circumcision of the heart. It is the love that changes us on the inside that we may have works on the outside. God changes the inside first and then the outside works will follow, beloved. Christianity is not an outward religion, beloved. Christianity is an inward religion of the heart. So this morning as Clayton and Janelle sing this morning, I would like to make an appeal to you that you allow, say to Jesus the divine position, please circumcise my heart. Cut off my dependence upon myself that may depend upon Jesus. So this morning as they sing create in me a new heart that's clean and make the appeal. If you want a new heart that's clean I invite you to come to the front here at this evening.